you for joining the ladies of Her Portion Podcast. Come, pull up a seat at the table, because you are welcome here. Grab your Bible and a pen, and let's dig into God's Word together. Take a moment and pray that God would open your heart to Him as you listen. So without further ado, let's get right into today's portion. Hey y'all, it's Courtney again. The theme for this month has been Rise Up, and the ladies have done a phenomenal job of encouraging us not to quit, how to rise up from discouragement, and how to first be still. I want to go a little different direction for the last episode on this topic. I want to encourage us to arise and declare. So let me show you what I mean. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 78. We're going to read the first eight verses here. This whole entire Psalm is wonderful to read for this topic, but we're just going to stick with the first eight verses for the sake of time. Starting in verse one, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. We all know that God has a set of standards in his word. And we also know that the world has a set of standards and the two, they don't usually really line up. And it's time for us as Christian women to rise up and declare the word of God so that future generations know where we stand. We have to fight back with God's word against the things that society is trying to deem normal. If it's not normal or right, we should know what God's word has to say about it and then declare it. We need to take back the definition of normal. Stop giving in and letting the world define our terms and let God define them. The Bible says in James 4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Here, this verse and the passages surrounding it, they're referring to covetousness. And Matthew Henry explained covetousness like this. It is a forsaking of him to whom we are devoted and espoused to cleave to other things. It is constructive treason and rebellion against God to set the world upon his throne in our hearts. And in the Bible, in Matthew 6, 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. The point is, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and love the things of this world. Just like the charge Joshua gave the Israelites, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's time to pick a side. It's it's time to take our stand. It's time to choose who you're going to serve. At the end of the day, are you going to choose God or the world? 
I chose two different topics that are quiet battlegrounds right now in our world. The world is fighting so hard to change the normal definition of these topics that it's getting harder to, and harder to resist. But I want to encourage you, no matter where you work or go to school or where you spend your time, rise up above what society is trying to call normal and take your stand for God. Arise and declare what God's word says. The first topic that I want to talk about is feminism. This is how the world defines feminism. The advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. Well, this is how God's word defines woman in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, we have a choice. We can choose to live the way society tells women they should live, loud, opinionated, rude, and on top. Or we can choose to live the way the Bible says women ought to live. One website said that the goal of feminism is to challenge the systemic inequalities women face on a daily basis. So gender equality. God created men and women to be different, to have different roles, to complement each other. If God would have wanted us all to be the same, he could have just created all men or all women, but he didn't. Genesis 127 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He created male and female. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Those two words, help and meet, mean that he was going to make a helper suitable for the man. And after the fall, God specifically told Eve in Genesis 3.16, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He created us different with different roles. 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 15, they say, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Women are the weaker vessel. He didn't say we're useless or dumb. He just said weaker. Someone has to lead and someone has to follow. There is a hierarchy outlined by God in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And the world hates God, and they hate his word, so they're going to do everything in their power to kick and fight against everything it says. Ephesians five twenty two and 23. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband." This is God's design for a marriage. He wants God to be at the top, then the husband, and then the wife. There has to be order. Have you ever tried to work in a group of people on a project that had no leader? Everybody was just giving their opinions. You never get anywhere because everyone's always button heads. We are all different. We have different ideas. We have different opinions. And we have different ways that we like to do things. So in marriage... God headed all that off. He said the man is the head, he's the leader, he makes the decision, and the wife follows. That takes so much pressure off of us, ladies. When we get to heaven, God is not going to ask you how you led your family. We won't be responsible for the decisions that our husbands make. He will ask us how we followed, how we submitted. So what will your answer be? Did you stick to your role or did you put yourself in a position that God did not give you? Rise up. It's time to fight against ungodliness. Rise up and declare what God's word says about a woman's place. Now, the next topic that I want to talk to you about is our dress. I know this is a touchy subject. Women don't like to talk about it. Now, while society continues to blur the lines of gender and responsibility in our homes, we must know what God's Word says about these topics in order to separate the lies from the truth. We need to be able to declare to the next generation what God's Word says about the way we dress. And we can start by studying the Proverbs 31 woman, the Titus 2 woman, and the wife of 1 Peter 3. Most of the time, when you get a job, they have a dress code, right? a standard of dress that you must follow. It's basically at every job you go to. Well, why? Because when you're on the clock, you are a representation of that company and they want you to look professional. A lot of the public schools around me, they have dress codes for the students. We had a dress code when I was in high school and every year the parents and the kids complain about it. But really it's getting the kids ready for real life. There are rules and we have to follow them. So why do Christian women feel any different? When we're on the clock, a.k.a. alive, we are representatives of God. You don't think he should have a say-so on how you dress? We think it's perfectly normal for our employer to be able to dictate our dress, but if God or our husband have anything to say about it, we get all defensive. In the book, Securely Woman by Karen Hightower, she said, when we are Christian When we as Christian women clothe ourselves immodestly, we draw attention to ourselves instead of to our God who lovingly redeemed us. When we dress inappropriately, we show disregard for who we represent as Christian women, a loving, forgiving, holy God. She goes on to say, because of our flesh, we all want to fit in, even when we know that it's wrong. 
It can be it can feel difficult to stand out as distinct. And these days, even normal has become distinct. Yet I don't want to be controlled by my flesh. I want to walk governed by the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians 6:15 instructs this, I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want God, not ungodly designers and advertisers who are trying to push an agenda that I want no part of to be in control of my life. I want to be different in a discreet, God-honoring way. Wow. <laughs> if only there were more Christian ladies in this world that thought like she did. I mean, think about it. Why do you dress the way you do? Is it to honor God and your husband, or is it to fit in with the world? I can tell you from experience, I've lived and dressed like the world. It is not going to get you any more friends with real value than if you would just submit to God and your husband and dress the way they want you to. So by looking and dressing different than the world, you may be treated differently. You might not be invited to events. You might not be befriended by the most popular people. You may have to endure a little grief, suffer wrongfully, but it's worth it to have a clear conscience before God. Have you ever thought that maybe He wants us to be set apart so that we will be kept from the temptations that come along with all of it? When we choose to dress half-naked like the world, we're choosing a side. When we deliberately choose to go against God's standards of holiness when it comes to dress, we are choosing friendship with the world over obedience to God. So what are you truly worshiping, society or God? The God of self or the God of the universe? It should never be about us, but always about Him. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair, gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. God says we should dress in modest apparel. The Strong's Concordance says that this word stress is well ordered and the stress is on the outward appearance. The word modest refers to what you wear, and the words shamefacedness and sobriety, they refer to how you wear it. So it's not just about what you wear, it's also how you wear it. What are your motives? Rise up, ladies. It's time to fight against conformity to what the world calls normal. We need to arise and declare what God's Word says about the way we should dress. And to be able to declare it, we have to know what it actually says. Don't normalize society's standards. Normalize God's. joining us today on Her Portion. We hope you leave with plenty to ponder from God's Word. We encourage you to use today's topic to start your own study in the Scriptures. Until next time.